The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. You must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast. One of the hosts could never commit a handball because he doesn't have hands. That's Lenny. I mean, it guys. Like soccer humor. I believe that we will win. God. Well, at this point, that's a safe bet because as of this yeah. moment, that we are, we being the U.S., are up one to zero. Hopefully, that doesn't age poorly. Um, if either of us freak out at any point during this recording, it's because we've gotten some sort of text about something happening. I, I, I almost went with a nutmeg joke about how Lenny couldn't get nutmeg, but I felt like that was in poor taste. Yeah, Lenny, you can't make fun of him for that. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I don't need a text. I got the screen going on the side, so I might just flip out. I might do a fake flip out, see how you react to a fake flip out. We're going to be dialed in today to talk Steelers, Colts. I actually like that we get a chance to talk about these teams because otherwise I wouldn't talk about, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so much the, at this point in the season, you're really talking mostly about 10 teams or whatever who are still in contention or believably in contention. Um, but doing this Monday night thing kind of gives us a reason to talk a little bit about teams that, um, you know, we just wouldn't get a chance to talk about otherwise. Teams that are interesting. Can I start this yeah. on a positive note? Yeah. I thought Kenny Pickett was good. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> like, it was encouraging. I haven't but, talked about uh, him at all, so I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. No, what, um, what did you like? I just, So I, I was going to make the point that I think that we take for granted how much your draft status matters. You know, and like when uh, and I've been it's been like brought to my attention more this year with Jalen Hurts, because like if Jalen Hurts was a first round top five pick and he was playing like this, we'd be talking about him like he was the second coming, no matter what he had around him. And that's what we did with Patrick Mahomes. And the same thing for Kenny Pickett is like there was no hype around Kenny Pickett. And it feels like he's starting to get a little bit better, but he's not going to get the leeway. And uh, we see this playing mm. out with Josh Wilson, or I always call him Josh Wilson, with Zach Wilson. There's so many Joshes right now. Yeah, and he got he has a Joshy face with yeah. Zach Wilson, where it's like uh, Robert Sala is like bending over backwards to like not offend him, and he's giving him no reason to believe that he's going to be the future. But like if he was a third round pick, second round pick. Uh, free agent like none of it we wouldn't have time for any of this stuff it's just the way it is and i think that brings us to the kenny pickett point where it's like he's a first round pick and this is really encouraging for him to have shown this growth for a first round pick what i like about his play by the way robert sala offended zach wilson by benching him against the bears that's how you know (laughs) you don't get to play in that game uh not the benching the bears i want to be clear we're actually it's going to come up later because we're talking a little bit about rogers and yeah he's saying he's going to play and i'm going on a I'm going to Bears pod immediately after this, by the way. Oh, the Bears fans love you, so that should they go They hate me so much, well. but um, Okay, back to Pickett. What I like about what we're seeing from him, look, he wasn't perfect. He missed some throws. Some of them were, I, it looked like he was going low a bit. There were some off-target passes. But what I like about him is my concern about him as a prospect was that he hold, held onto the ball longer than, like, any prospect in recent history. Um, So I thought that was going to be a huge issue and that he was going to struggle under pressure. And what he's done in the NFL is he's gotten the ball out quickly. Um, I think there's certain parts of the field he has become more comfortable targeting as the weeks go on. Um, You know, I, I think he throws a really nice out, and you saw that on display last night. He uses his legs, but he's not 
run first in a way I thought I thought he would be a, a come into the league panic take off and it feels like he's at, at least it felt like in this particular game he was picking his spots to scramble and they were all good like most of his decisions to take off were good he and he is you know a, a, a mobile quarterback so I just think imperfect but things are trending in the right direction um and you know he's not in a great situation obviously although I think the Steelers offensive line has maybe been better than people would have feared so, you know, it's encouraging if you're a if you're a Steelers fan. It's one of the differences between you and everyone else or forget everyone else, you and me is like <laughs> um you actually watched Kenny Pickett with intention and I was like, we're done with these teams. I'm going to watch this game because it's my job, but I'm not about to be out here analyzing and projecting like you I don't know if you just do a good job or did you just love this shit? But when I had an opportunity just to watch a game and root for my man Jeff, that's what I was going to do. So, like, I don't have any great Kenny Pickett analysis except for, like, I haven't watched him much this year. And I showed up. And I was like, damn, he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> he's, he's all right. I, I think that the one thing that could be scary for uh, Steelers fans is could it be too all right? Too all right yeah. for you guys to take another shot and have Whoa. you in, uh, in, yeah. uh, in that land? It's a tough spot to be. It's a tough place to be in. It's a tough spot to be, especially because I think one of the other concerns about Pickett coming into the NFL, other than the holding out to the ball too long, was his age, the fact that, and then he peaked as a senior, right? So there was a question, okay, have we seen his ceiling? So then you look at this year and you're like, oh, he looks like a functional NFL quarterback. Well, he should. He's played a lot of football. He came in with a lot of experience, you know? So I think as a Steelers fan, the one, the to your point, the bit of trepidation I would have would be like, okay, he's playing well. Can he get better? However... The fact that he hasn't improved on things since coming into the league, I think, is encouraging. Um, yeah. I also thought the Steelers' run game looked really well, like without Najee Harris, which that is impressive because the Colts, we can talk about them in a second and all the things they're bad at. They're good at run defense. And I thought the Steelers actually blocked really well, and uh, McFarland and Snell both ran really well. Yeah, the Steelers are one of those teams that, like, it's they, they never stink. And we give a lot of credit to um, Mike Tomlin. But in actuality, like, they've never really stunk <laughs> as far back as, like, you yeah. can remember. It's like a stable place that does a good job of of uh, nurturing uh, the next leadership and be it front office. And it's a lot like the Ravens, even though they hate each other. They probably hate each other because they're similar is the cities are very similar. Like Baltimore is like a really nice Pittsburgh. And if you, I mean, it is, I'm from Baltimore. Now, so now it's, you're, it's now nice. you're, you've moved on to another fan base. This is... <laughs> yeah. I mean, people hate me. I'm, I'm hateable. It's fine. Uh, but <laughs> the, the thing, the fact of the matter is I think Kenny Pickett is succeeding or relatively successful in this environment because it's this environment. And I don't know if he went somewhere else, if he hmm. would be interesting, uh, like starting to develop in the way that he is, which like has me of two minds. If I'm a Steelers fan or if I'm projecting future, the future for the Steelers is like, do I want to upgrade? Because I be believe that a more talented quarterback in this environment would be good because I think Ben yeah. falls in that category too. He was really good, but I, I'm not sure that Ben Roethlisberger style of play would have worked everywhere. I think what you want to see is just continue like it's directional for me you know what i mean like right. okay so the, the thing i just praised kenny pickett for is something that he has shown increasingly in the nfl which is you know this ability to get the ball out actually pretty quickly um mm -hmm. in addition to like you know not fling the pocket and scrambling and 
I think then the next step is, okay, good. So can we see a few more accurate deep balls per game? Yeah. You know, just like if you, you want to see like a little right. bit more week after week. And then if at the end, there's still, this season is not about the playoffs for Pittsburgh. It's right. not about winning. It's saying, okay, we drafted this guy in the first round. Do we want to keep building with him? And I think halfway through the season, a little more than halfway through the season, you feel good, but you do want to see a little bit more by the end. Um, so that you can start, you know, there's holes on this roster. So there's many things to address yeah. other than quarterback. And I think, um, you know, it'd be, they'd be in a nice position if they felt good enough about Pickett to address some of those issues next year. One of the, if you want to be positive about Kenny Pickett and point out the fact that he is already pretty old and you suggest that that's, I mean, that makes people believe that he's not getting any better. Like I could push back on that is like, hmm. Improvement, particularly at that core at that position, is often very much mental. And mm. getting better mentally is not about getting smarter; it's about learning new things. And you can only learn what you are being taught. And that's why we look for quarterback gurus. It's like if Kenny Pickett is above average in the physical things, or, or right at average at the physical things, but he's malleable mentally, which I think some quarterbacks aren't. Yeah. And that like is attractive it's like yeah maybe he's 23 in college but maybe he had mediocre to coaching like i i did when i was in college our um defensive back coach was also the defensive coordinator so we did not work on any technique i didn't learn anything about technique until i got to the league and then i've told you the stories about like i didn't really know how to like fully get the most out of watching film until i watched film with ed reed and like this is late 25 26 years old that these things are happening so like for a quarterback it's even more mental, whereas um, cornerback can be a lot more about, like, if you're just not fast enough, you're not quick enough, you just can't do it. But quarterback, I, I think a lot of it can be about recognizing things, and and you can't recognize things that you haven't been taught to look for. I think that's fair. I think um, it's all, like, I think it's always hard to know if a player's hit a ceiling. You know, like we, we yeah. try, I think we throw out age as being a good indicator. And I, I really think with youth, that's a, it is definitely fair to say, well, this guy, the, like, yeah. you know, something you'll hear about, well, this guy only started playing football at like, you know, uh, his senior year of high school or whatever. That definitely matters to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I do think your point about how just because he played a lot, he played a lot in college, he's a certain age doesn't mean he doesn't have room to grow is certainly fair. And like I said, it's, it's on display this season. Um, I was just pulling up his time to throw. I was listening to you, I promise. But I was also pulling up his time to throw because I was curious. It's 2.85. I, I mean, it was well over three seconds in college. I don't have it in front of me, but I remember being like, whoa, when I saw that red flag. Um, and that's just, that's that's hard. That is hard to do to, I mean, and, and it's actually gone down, I believe, as the season has gone on for the most part. Um, that's not easy. It was yeah, a young pretty... quarterback to come into this league and be like, I'm going to play faster. You know, that's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's jumping off the cliff is what it is. Yeah. It's like before you can see the bottom, that's a really a hard thing to do. And you don't have to listen to me. We've known each other long enough that I feel like I could give you the first like five words of the thought and you know where I'm going with it. I didn't know Ed Reed uh, the... was going to come out. I was going to need to talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, see me, me uh, finishing my thoughts. That's for them. <laughs> the first five words are for okay, you. Wait. Can you the, finish The this? next 13 is for everybody else. Uh, I might not have told you this story. Yes, right? you were a defensive were... tackle. I know. No, no, no. When you were talking about uh, how you don't like Pittsburgh, I was going to talk about the time I spent 48 hours in Pittsburgh. Do you, do you know why? Yes, do I do. Why? And I can't tell that story because you've never told that story. <laughs> oh, so. right. I haven't. I yeah. Haven't. Uh, it was, yeah, I don't okay, think you should. I don't. 
I'm not going to give well, the details. Well, you can tell a very... Okay, okay. I'm going to do a little tease story of it, which is the reason I spent 40 hours in Pittsburgh is because I was tasked with writing a cover story. Actually, I pitched it about Antonio Brown. Um, and I was in Pittsburgh waiting for him to make himself available to me. And then ultimately he did. And we had dinner. Uh, and uh, now that I'm doing the thing without the details, people are going to imagine way worse yeah, things. Exactly. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, then tell nothing, all the details. Nothing. No. no I, oh God. It was a very interesting experience. I'll leave it at that. No, yeah, I was exactly. saying tell all the details, but then you follow it up by telling the version of your story that does not have all the details. Then people yeah. will assume all the things. Well, if I tell all the details, I don't know if I. Oh God, this is terrible. Go ahead. All I right, mean, I'm, the Colts. Speaking of Steelers, I'm going to be going Cam Hayward show in a couple of weeks. That's, oh, that's nice friend of the pod. Um, yep. ask him, ask him about Pickett. Ask him about Pickett playing faster. I'd like to hear his thoughts on that. Yeah. All right, Colts. Bummer. Did yeah. you get asked to uh, give takes on just clock management today? <laughs> they they tried to, but I spun that. <laughs> I oh, spun it like a like a good I friend love, should. I, I love, I'm not I love a journalist. This, I love this pivot from you from be, to being shamelessly biased for Jeff. Uh, yeah, Let me ask I mean, you, I'm looking. open about my biases. Do you think there's any um, validity? Because I actually did see some difference of opinion from unbiased people about the notion of like him believing, well, you know, it's third and short, I wanted to get to the line quickly and run a play and then felt like we could use our timeouts. Did you feel like there was any validity to so, that? The argument that I ended up on, and I think it was a valid argument, I, I would not have pushed pushed it forward if it wasn't valid, but I do uh, acknowledge the fact that I started from how could this have been right? It's where I started. <laughs> and so, like, in my view, there was more that they had three timeouts, 30 seconds left. Yeah. There's more than enough time. Like, time was not the issue. They didn't lose because they ran out of time. He didn't mismanage the clock. You want to score with not much time left to allow the opponent to respond, and they were setting that up. And the argument for not calling it a timeout, I had to respond to Graziano and Tannenbaum, and they were like, you needed to regroup. You got sacked, and then you had a scramble. These were not the way that you wanted your plays to go, so you need to call a timeout in order to regroup. And my argument was, offenses have elaborate communication, and that they can call a number of different plays. They can change for, like at the line of scrimmage without huddling. They're accustomed to doing that defenses we do not do that like when we're in two minutes real you have a few calls and they're all base and by calling a timeout a timeout in that situation to regroup in my view gives the defense more mm. help than it gives the offense because the defense can then go to the sideline and talk about it they can come out with their most sophisticated blitz because when you're on the field you cannot communicate the reason why you can't do that is and part of the reason why you can't do that is if there's one mistake on defense, it's a touchdown. You know, like if you're trying to put in a sophisticated blitz and somebody doesn't get the call or mixes up the call, it's it's a touchdown. So we have like a few calls and they all have simple signals, signals that are so simple that the offense recognizes them. Like I, I'd never been on the field in a two-minute drill. So rarely am I on the field in a two-minute drill that the offense doesn't know even in-game situations because it's loud. So we do things like slap our legs to – to communicate to everybody that it's quads, cover four, coverage. And, like, they ain't stupid. They know it. And, like, we do a muscle man thing to be, like, cover two. Like, there are a bunch of very obvious signals. So, like, that is to the offense's advantage. That's my best spin. I'm a great friend. Is cover one like a cone head? No, I want to. <laughs> <laughs> cover one is often just pointing to your chest, like man, normally. Oh, man, something that's... like that. 
That's yeah. intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. Cover three, you do like a little tripod or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I probably would have called a timeout. Uh, I do think generally sometimes you, know, you make a, a good point there, which is I think we tend to oversimplify, so oversimplify um, clock management analysis when it comes to two minute drills in terms of like, okay, what is the offense trying to accomplish in this moment? Do, is there anything to be like, you know, to your point, like what are we accounting for with the defense and the speed of the play and whatever? And there was certainly time left. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, it, it, I get it. I, I, a lot of it is to just like the execution of it. Like it's like, oh, OK, well, that was so bad. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, but the, but the, this, is, this is the Colts offense. I mean, I'm not making this is like I said, I, yeah. I, I think you're, you're unbiased. Bad. You're not like me. Um, I, well, I think you could fault him there, but like, you know what, it's Tuesday, like a bunch of coaches did. We're going to talk about the Bucks later, right? Like this is a pervasive issue in the NFL. I think with the Colts, um, beyond that though, uh, the, the, the offense is just kind of broken beyond repair. There's nothing any co- Jeff or Parks Frazier or whoever could do to come in and fix this thing. Um, I, it was just, I, you know, Matt Ryan looked so bad at the beginning of the game. It was just so rough to watch. It's not, it's not just him, though. Obviously, we've, you know, the offensive line we've talked about. Um, but it's like, you know, there's drops, there's miscommunications. It looked like, have to, I, there was multiple moments in the game where I was like, I don't know what the play was there. <laughs> I, maybe that is coaching, but it's not like it wasn't an issue that preceded the coaching change either. Um, I think as a Colts fan, you kind of just are like, okay, this is law. This year's done. Um, next year, I think you know you can, if, assuming Matt Ryan retires, which I is probably likely, uh, you can spread out the dead cap a little bit, and you know you have some cap space. But my question for you is like, how do you feel about the rest of this roster? Like, because for so long with the Colts, we looked at them and we said, well, this is a great team. All they need is a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think this year kind of changed people's opinions on that. Looking at them and like looking into the future and thinking, okay, they're going to move on from Matt Ryan. Who knows what they'll do? Do you feel like the rest of this team is good? Um, uh, it depends on what the goal is. So, like, I think we thought they were a quarterback away for the last several years. I think that we now know that that's not true. Um, and we talk, uh, I talk a lot about, and you could probably finish this also about how important it is to have like one strong thing to build around on either side of the ball. And for the Colts, it was always their offensive line. It's like they had a great offensive line and that'll make life easier for everybody else, particularly the quarterback and the running back and that they don't have that. And that seems to be the problem is I don't, I can't point to a thing on either side of the ball, a unit a skill, a thing that I'm like, all right, we got something there and we can fill in around it with like some pieces here or there. And so, yeah, I think the roster is not as close as we thought it was. And they are more than a quarterback away. You know, the D line, they, they have like Buckner and Stewart and when Leonard comes back and um, yeah. Luke Rieke, I think that's the right. thing you know, like- when Leonard comes back, that's yeah. I mean, Shaquille Leonard, is hurt <laughs> very I, often. Yeah, I think what and you'd that's really, the tough thing. Well, also what you'd really like to see is more from the pass rush, Quiddy Pay and um, mm-hmm. Ode, I'm, I'm mispronouncing his name. His first name is Dio. The other pass rusher that they drafted. Um, 
because you know this was the issue with the Colts it's like this is a team that was like that drafted really well at non-premium positions like off-ball linebacker I mean not just drafted guard guard yeah so and then all of a sudden you're like okay do you like Pittman's good he's a good player but I think most you know you don't want him to be like I think it's pretty debatable whether he's a wide receiver one um Taylor's I mean, he's not really good too. It's just yeah. Yeah, he's he's not um like I, I think I'm starting to round into the idea of like someone who demands a double team is like what you really want, and he's not yeah. that. You know, God, like especially that's what when you, you want look somebody. across the NFL right yeah. now. So we're gonna get to the Bengals, by the way. Who I I, I that's a something I want to talk about as it pertains to T Higgins with them. But yeah, it's like let me let's we'll put it that way. Would you rather have T Higgins or Michael Pittman? Uh, I guess T Higgins. I mean, I, I think, I think Michael Pittman in place of T Higgins, you might get similar results if you put Michael Pittman in uh, Cincinnati, you know? So like, and then I'm thinking you put T Higgins in uh, with the Colts. I'm not thinking that he's a demanding double team guy. That's probably fair with the Colts or with Pittman, but yeah, in any case, um, Definitely feels like, I, I don't know. There's some, there, there's, it's, they're not a team without building blocks. I do think like we yeah. both just, we've named a bunch of like pretty good players. Um, and if you did have a really exciting quarterback, I think you could at least, you could trend in the right direction. But tough season, obviously very disappointing. Um, yeah. All right. Let's not come back me. and talk. <laughs> I love this season for the Colts. You, weren't you disappointed when your bud, your bud lost? When you were you watching that, were you like, ah, oh, shit. Talk about this tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, the funny thing is, Jeff doesn't oh, give a shit. shit. Like, he legitimately doesn't care. I'm sorry, I cuss a, a lot and require people to be it. My bad. But like, Lur- Jeff, you in. Jeff is he was exchanging texts with um with Graziano. Like, yeah, I, I mean, just be fair. Like, we all be critical of him. I just choose not to because I don't want to. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's come back and, and talk about some things that we are critical of and things we like. All right, people, we are brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. See, it's not just about the daily promos, odds boosts, or the hundreds of ways to wager. It's about the immortal words of Caesar himself. You bet, you get with Caesar's Rewards. Every bet you place on the app, no matter the outcome, earns towards exclusive perks at Caesar's Rewards destinations everywhere. Hotel stays, concert tickets, bonuses, and more. Download the Caesars Sportsbook app, become a Caesars Rewards member today, and get more with every wager. Must be 21 years or older to gamble. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-522-4700. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest 
with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Show. M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, we're back. The score is still one to zero. Dominique and I are going to pick some winners. You go first. Uh, first city that I just got back to the commanders, Washington <laughs> commies. What is the nickname? We go manders. We go commies. We go I've mandos. Commies, mandos. I've seen commies, manders. Kevin Durant calls them the manders. <laughs> oh, we got to listen to that song again. That song. That they, oh man. Uh, yeah. That, that probably has the nickname in it somewhere. Do you watch the show Nathan for you? Or have you seen it before? I started watching it. I just, I couldn't get into it. It was a little too weird for me. It's pretty weird. So for those who don't yeah. know, like the premise is like a guy, Nathan Fielder, tricks people into doing really crazy ideas. I don't even, I can't even describe it well. Anyways, I feel like the Washington Commander's existence is like a Nathan for you bit. Like when they unveiled the Sean Taylor Memorial, I was like, this isn't real. This is like, you know, I, I just, yeah. it, it, and it's so weird. It's It's like... Yeah. I, I don't know. It's very perplexing. Anyways, the football though. Yeah, football. I guess I, I guess I can't call them winners considering that. But I mean, the players on the field, they they won a game that was an important game for them and their wild card hopes. So like they feel like winners. But yeah, the organization as a whole. Let me ask you a question about the Manders. You put them on their winners, and I'm not going to let you do your usual winners. Like this is actually a neg. I'm gonna you're gonna have to be positive. <laughs> What are what are they good at? Defense, defensive line play. Uh, I mean, that's that's what they're good at. And I guess I was gonna say uh, Yolo balls from Heineke, but he checked down a little bit more this week, which I was impressed and appreciated. And running the ball, like I, I feel like they yeah they, they run, run the ball well. Yeah, so these are not like modern. (laughs) Yeah, against the Falcons, who are not great at stopping the run. But yeah, I I think those are things that they're that I point to and say they're good. But I think I put them in winners because the NFC is a in a situation where the wild card is going to be hotly contested by a bunch of teams that we don't think have championship uh, pedigree. And I think this win this week was a tough one because it was against one of those teams that might. That's actually like a, a mediocre team that just happens to lose a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're all in the same cluster. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't ask what they're good at to imply they're not good at anything. I think it's just right. um, 
you know, it, 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 this is true of a lot of NFC teams. They're all pretty incomplete. I think you picked the right things. I mean, they, the Brian Robinson looked fantastic. I like watching their run game generally because there's always like a ton of motion and like, you know, um, sometimes to better effect than others. But it's fun to watch. Um, I love Terry McLaurin. He's probably one of my favorite players in the NFL to watch right now. Just generally, I, I, I don't know what it is about. I mean, I think it's like he's not that tall right what is he like six yeah. one at most maybe yeah but he plays so much bigger than his size he's got that like steve smith kind of quality to him that i just have always really enjoyed watching in wide receivers you know where um it doesn't just look like they're just physically like the, it comes easy to them yeah. or anything uh so anyways he's fantastic Jonathan Allen, John Payne was incredible in this game. So you're right, the D-line. And then they've gotten contributions from, like, new players like Derek Forrest, I thought, I think has been pretty good. Um, yeah. One of their safeties, Cam Curl, you know, I've talked about. But, um, yeah, they're not, like, great. But, again, when we're talking about that tier of NFC playoff contenders, no one really is. We're talking about the Bucks, who are probably going to win their damn division I don't think they're that much better. Now, this they got two games against the Giants coming up, including this weekend. I I think, Dominique, probably that'll function as like a bit of a play-in for these guys. Right. I mean, we'll see what happens if they split them. But if one of the teams wins both of those games, yeah. it's probably over for the other. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the competition is part of the reason why I leaned on the commanders for winners is because they beat Atlanta. And that was uh, a team that, had they lost, they would have been tied and, and – um, Record-wise, Atlanta would have had the tiebreaker. So each of these wins, particularly in um, in their conference, matter a lot down the stretch. But yeah, you're right. Going up against the Giants is a team that they should beat. Like they're better than the Giants. Like more talented than the Giants. I guess it just about all the important places, with the exception of quarterback, which um, not sure that they're far behind. Yeah. There, but yeah, like I think their D line. And their defense in general is better than the Giants and more talented than the Giants' defense. Their offense has actual real, like, NFL top-level receivers. and They have good receivers, and, yeah. It's not just yeah. McLaurin. And it's they, a fun group, yeah. And their running back isn't as good as Saquon, but their running game can be as effective. So they should win this game. I'm going to talk about that game more in depth this week because it's such a big game. I do think okay. some of the things the Falcons did on the ground to them, I, I imagine the Giants – having similar tendencies we'll try to emulate you know with the option game but yeah it's um yeah i should have said more than mclaurin the whole receiving group is fun so like yeah Yeah. it's it 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 feels like you know we'll see what happens next year at the quarterback position but it feels like they they definitely have foundational pieces at least um back wins my oh yeah no chance right he won't do it they won't do it Yeah, yeah i don't think so Oh, I meant even this year. They're, they're just, it's yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't think so. It's done for him. He's going to be a backup somewhere. You think yeah, that's probably it, right? Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, point, maybe he gets another yeah. chance when somebody gets hurt or something. And maybe that's what he needs because he does have the skill level to do the high-end stuff. He just can't stop doing it. He's, he's like Josh Allen, except a lot more where Josh Allen's ratio for high-end stuff is higher than his, than his yeah. ratio to bad stuff. Like, they're similar in that they like to do the YOLO stuff, but he does the bad stuff way more often. My woof is the Green Bay Packers, because I think they're in a horrible position right now. Um, So we have some news. Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show, as he does. Don't think he was asked about uh, 
Deshaun Kaiser's interview in the reptile stuff, but um, I, I might be wrong. I, I assume I would have seen it on the internet if he was. Uh, but he did talk about his status for next week. He said the scans came back good. He had some kind of oblique injury, I believe, right? Um, so the scans came back good, and he is ready to play. My question for you is, do you think the scans were him watching the Bears' defense? <laughs> uh, he he did scan the Bears' defensive film, and that feeling good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, no, 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 no. Laughter's no. the best medicine, but the Bears' defense is actually better. Yeah, that's how you, I, I think I said this last week. I'm just gonna say it again. That's how you knew that the Jets were done with Zach Wilson when they didn't let him play the Bears. Like, yeah. it's like you yeah. know, not letting a kid have dessert. Like, yeah, yes, his punishment. <laughs> Dude, they're so bad. All right. Um, okay, so what the Packers should do, it's a little, here, here's my question for you, because I, I've heard you're, you, you think they should just play love. Do they have mm, to, you've changed your mind. Okay. Well, so Aaron Rodgers is saying he's healthy enough. He's healthy enough. So that obviously throws a bit of a monkey wrench into it. Okay. So instead of asking you a question, I'm going to ask you to react to my thought on it. Okay. I've, I've tried to like um, decision tree this a little bit because it's really tricky, I think. I don't think it's simple. And where I've arrived at is if the Packers think Aaron Rodgers is going to be on their team next year, they should play Aaron Rodgers. If, however, they believe he, they're going to trade him, and he doesn't have no trade clause, so they can just do it, even though God knows that would be like, if you thought the last few offseasons were hell on earth, anyways, whatever, then they should play love. Because you want to give love reps. There's no reason you don't want Aaron Rodgers to get hurt again. How do you feel about that? They're not going to do any of this. We're living in the world of should, not will. Do you agree with my judgment of the situation? I think that what it comes down to is their relationship with the players in the locker room. And that's like leadership, I think, comes down to like relationships more often than people are willing to accept or acknowledge. And you can do anything that you can justify and your justification like is dependent on the trust level that you have in the locker room. Because I think it's really hard in football in particular to ask guys to go play to the best of their ability when you clearly are not trying to uh, maximize their success. And so that's what it comes down to me. If you can walk into that locker room and credibly say uh, healthy Jordan Love gives us a better chance than an injured Aaron Rodgers. The credibility is something that is not in how you delivered it. It's something that you've built up over time. And if you built up that credibility, you can do that, then that's fine. And if you can't, then you have to put Aaron Rodgers in there because I don't, I just, I feel like it's irresponsible to do anything else than while you still have a chance to make the playoffs. And yes, it would have to be miraculous. You have to go undefeated and probably need some more help but so that's why we're here. That's why I show up every day and I stay late and watch film and I lift weights and I'll play through these injuries. Like that's what we're doing here. So like, I, I, I think that's what it boils down to. Even though, well, let's say, let's say they knew they were going to trade Rogers. Do you still feel that way? Um, <laughs> because yeah. I hear, I hear what I mean, you're I, saying. It, it's hard to sell, yeah. but you're like, you're depriving love of valuable develop love who looked good. By the way, you didn't come yeah, in and okay. st- st- stink up the place. Of valuable reps for nothing. 
Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not sure I even believe this. I'm, I, like I said, I think right. it's really complicated, and anyone who thinks it's as simple has not thought it through enough, personally. Yeah. Um, I get where you're coming from. So, like, that's, that's again, it comes down to the leadership question. And part of that is sometimes you got to make the hard, unpopular decision, and you got to take into account that, like, it's worth the price that I'm going to have to pay, and I can win these guys back later. And this is all based on the assumption that all those guys want Aaron to play, and all those guys believe Aaron gives them the best possibility yeah. of success. So, like, I cannot project all those things. I assume that it's the case, that the back-to-back -back MVP – is the one that they want to play because they believe in him more than anything anybody else. But maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, sometimes you got to make a decision that the organization doesn't like or the employees don't like. You have to be able to deal with the consequences. If you built up the enough goodwill right. up until now, well, then you can pull that move off. But if you they, haven't, which they probably haven't, you can't. They did that in drafting Jordan Love, and exactly. it was and paid disastrous. The price. Yeah, so I, I hear what you're saying. And they've paid the price ever since. I mean, they've kowtowed yeah. to Rodgers ever since then, you know, and he's dragged these things out into the offseason. I mean, this is going to be an ugly offseason for them, depending yeah. on, I mean, how this shakes out and whether he's willing. I mean, it's it's a tough just to hit the contract a while for a second. Um, it is hard to trade. <sighs> you know, that it's structured kind of unusually. I'm sure you've read about it, the way they, they would need mm -hmm. this, the trading, the team that trades for him to pick up the option and if they do it before June 1st, the Packers would take on a $40 million cap hit. Post-June 1st, you split it up, but then you need to find an organization that's willing to do that. And the acquiring team, it's, it's actually pretty manageable, but it's, mm -hmm. it's tricky. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're going, to, if you're going into a, like a full rebuild, that's different. But they have not been like, they're not set yeah. up for that. All right. We'll see. He's going to play. None of this. This is all mood. He's going to play through the rest of the season. I mean, or uh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Well, anyways, I'm not going to speculate. Because right. uh, <laughs> they're, they're going to beat the Bears. If they beat the Bears, then they won't be eliminated until like the following, like two weeks later. So maybe at the very end of the season, you know, we'll see a bit of Jordan Love. I don't know. All right. You're, you're, you're woof. The Bucks tired of the bucks that, okay so, yeah we can be fast on the no bucks. no 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 i'm not i'm i, I would do i want to talk I, about them i'm tired of them oh, existentially man. though i wanted to watch soccer i was gonna breeze through the bucks wow. <laughs> uh, no i mean it's that was an embarrassing loss and the thing that i've been seeing from them this year is like uh and, and i think it was really on display in this game it's like the inconsistency and yeah. the like immaturity and not like acting out but like the football immaturity that they seem to not be comfortable in situations that you would expect Super Bowl champions and Tom Brady specifically to be comfortable in like the timeouts at the end of regulation and also just like the the errant passes it just I made the point earlier today that it, it reminds me a little bit of when Tom's last year in New England where it felt like he was like mentally checked out and he didn't look like himself. And a lot of us were like, yeah, he's kind of done because he was throwing yeah. passes that weren't good. And it just looked like, and there, there's a lot of parallels in this, like there's okay. off the field stuff that's weighing in and he looks like mentally checked out. It's my cat jumping on and off the table. You see my camera shaking. Sorry. Hey Lamar. 
Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's the frustrating thing for watching yeah. them is, and that's like, and again, they're going to make the playoffs because their division is booty and then nobody wants to play them and all he needs to win is one playoff game. We're all going to be like, see the GOAT? You guys, you know what you're talking about all year long. Like, no, actually, we did know what we are talking about. It's just that a one-game sample, of course, they can beat somebody, but they've been bad all year long. Why, why isn't the angry fan voice always, like, we need an angry fan voice that's a little bit different. Like a like an angry female fan voice, like okay. Oh, you, you say Brady was cooked? I don't know why I made it so high. Did you did you hold on? Did you forget that you are a woman and you don't have to change your voice to sound like a woman? <laughs> you changed your voice to sound like an angry male fan. I know, but I did. I didn't like pitch my voice down. You pitch your voice up to like cartoon mouse. How did <laughs> like, you pitch? You That's the only female voice that can do that. It's not my own. All right, what's the angry, oh, okay. deep, deep voice? No, word? you... You think Brady's cooked? He's not There you go, I like Start, leave my man alone. <laughs> Sounds Midwestern. Um, like I'm glad that. you brought up Brady because so much with the Bucks, so so often I've criticized the play calling, and it deserves criticism that way, yeah. uh, and the game management. And But watching this last game against Cleveland, I was just also really struck by the execution. Now, granted, you know, because the play calling is predictable, um... Sometimes the execution is hard, but it, you know it feels like the margin for error on everything is just like so small. But I, something in particular, I just rewatched all of his go balls. He threw like seven in this game, and I think he hit one. And I was, I wanted to rewatch and say, okay, who's what's to blame for this? And some of them were a lot of it was Mike Evans not getting separation, but then a lot of it was Brady just overthrowing him. And I was watching that like, this is Brady and Mike Evans. This isn't like. Yeah. Some guy he's never played with, it just doesn't make sense. You know, it's just he's off. Evans isn't really. I thought Evans's effort was kind of sus on some of them, and then of yeah. course there's a predictable element to it all, anyways, because they're always in third and longs because they're stupid screens on early downs. Are crazy, <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, the whole thing just feels like a big the womp predictability womp. of the running game too jumped out oh. to me. It's like I was watching that um game with that, that in mind and I, it felt like they knew the plays the browns knew the plays sometimes yes where the browns like, the yeah. browns i, I cannot yeah. stress that enough the worst run defense in the nfl and it's it's possible that they just called the right blitz at the right time every single time but i think that's unlikely where guys were like no one else around them had like blitz posture or had like blitz mannerisms or were like aligned to hint that there's a blitz. But every now and then, a guy would just shoot a gap at the snap of the ball. Like Brady hasn't been turned around. Like you use no damn way that you read it that fast. Like either one or two things happen that you read the play like faster than anyone in the history of, of play running has. Or you have a blitz called either that or you knew to play. And you, or you just felt so confident that this is what they do in this situation. So guess what? I'm coming off the edge. I don't care if it's yeah. a crack toss. I'm jumping it. I'm going to shoot this gap. Even a nickel. Like, we're in passing situations or passing personnel. The nickel's on the field, and he's just shooting gaps. Like, what is going on? And the Bucks' offensive line is not great, but they're not that bad. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think your point is really is correct. Like, a lot of the issues in the run game have to do with the predictability of it, as well as, you know, I think questions about whether – I mean, it's the same run game that it's been over the last since in the Tom Brady area, and I think they might they might not have the blockers that, you know anymore. Obviously, there's been some changes there. All right, 
let's wrap with a oh i thought the defense was okay <laughs> yeah they were, good. we're really just talking about the offense i mean they, uh, they struggled they gave up too many points in the fourth quarter but i mean that's true yeah they're, they're yeah. like i mean you know i, I always if not that's how i feel i felt like that watching the ravens against the jags in the fourth yeah. quarter first of all Lawrence was just hitting crazy throws, and there's no defense for some of those, a lot of those throws. Yeah. And Humphrey went out, but at a certain point, I was like, God, their their offense has gone like three and out, like ten. you know, it's just like. You know. All right, yeah. let's wrap with a, a a winner, a positive one. Cincinnati Bengals. I thought this was a really impressive win against yep. a very good Titans team. Uh, I thought that was impressive on both sides of the ball, um, starting with the defense. So. One of my favorite stats in football, because it doesn't make sense, is how freaking good the Titans are in the red zone year after year after year after year. I posted this recently. In the Mike Rabel era, they've like always finished in the top five, even when Derrick Henry doesn't play, by the way. So it's not just Derrick Henry. Uh, in this game, they so they come into this game, I think second, actually behind the Bengals, in red zone efficiency, and Cincinnati blanked them. Totally blanked them. You know, they had the big Henry screen that, and then the fumble and then the recovery. But... Um, that started way on their side of the field. And they blanked them because they just dominated them on early downs. Whether, you know, they were obviously exceptionally good in the run game, uh, stopping Derrick Henry, just crowding their defensive tackles. Uh, in, in, or um, on early downs, they were getting after Tannehill, all kinds of crazy games up front, stunts, overloads, simulated pressures. He was constantly in third and long in this game, and I thought it was really impressive because they haven't been in that position that often. Yeah, I mean, that's what you want to do to Tannehill. Like his, he's been really productive since he's been in Tennessee based on a lot of play action. Uh, he's capable of having success outside of play action, but that's not a steady diet. Um, and the play action success on early downs is like the best time to do it, particularly when you have a running back that people have to commit to stopping. So, yeah, that's... Uh, saying that that's the recipe is kind of obvious, but actually executing that recipe is a lot more difficult. And they were actually able to do it. And I think like their D line deserves a lot of credit. Their corners deserve credit because they are injured at that spot. And that is like the, the weak spot. Traylon Burke still had like an incredible catch, but it had to be, I mean, he had some good plays, but they were, it felt like all of them were incredible, which like, I guess Traylon Burks is not the like, get open type of guy as much as he's a big physical guy but yeah they made him work for for everything it felt like the way that the titans kind of make everyone else play it's, yeah and that's how i felt yes yeah. totally 100 percent. i mean it's very very brable-esque it's like early days new england patriots where it's like we ain't gonna blow it we're not gonna put too much pressure on us we're just gonna wait for you to make a mistake with the exception of that long screen pass which they still poked out <laughs> they had to yeah. even earn that. Cam Taylor, uh, they make them earn everything. Yeah, the defense. You're, I, I like what you said about the Titans because they actually looked as well coached as the Titans, which is the highest praise I think I can give a defense yeah. at this point. Um, I think Lou. I mean Lou Anderson. Like every week, it's a little bit different. It's um, this game. They had a lot of success too with three man rushes, bring back that playoff. You know, um, mm-hmm. a little playoff trick. I, I what I like about the Bengals defense too is like it feels like there's no superstars, but they're just good players everywhere. Um right. you know, I mean, I don't know if that's what I like about them, but they're just so many good players on this team. Yeah. Um I mean DJ Reader was a monster in this game. Sam Hubbard as well, both of them were exceptional against the run. Uh, you get Logan Wilson back. You talked about 
Cam Taylor Britt, who's a rookie, was just, I feel like he was in on like so many plays. Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton is what it would look like if Lenny played football. (laughs) I'm assuming that's a compliment. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Did you see him take down Derrick Henry? I mean, he was flying. Like, I, I just. I don't know. There's just so many good players on this defense. So yeah. that, was, that was, but really the, the offense too is, you know, I wanted to hit the offense for, cause I also thought that was pretty impressive against a, you know, a Titans defense that was missing to Nico Autry. And that's very underrated um, for them, but I was watching them and I was thinking, okay, this is actually kind of the offense. I thought we would see from Cincinnati coming into this season. You know, you remember before the season when Joe Burrow talked about how he expected to face a lot of cover two. So the Titans yep. play a lot of they play a lot of quarters actually, but the, you know they played a lot of split safety looks yeah. against them. And what we saw from Burrow is kind of what I thought we would see. My, they didn't have Jamar Chase, which is a willingness to just get the ball out quick, work underneath, get yards after the catch, scramble at times. I thought he had some really timely scrambles. And then once those opportunities started opening up later in the game to take shots, um, especially if you know he saw different defensive looks and one on ones with T Higgins although he hit a really nice um, deep shot off, uh, against cover two to Higgins, take them. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it was efficient. They ran the ball well. And, you know, it was, like I said, it was kind of what I expected. They, I mean, they had a really good showing at an important time against a AFC opponent that is kind of um, not great, but good enough that this win is respectable. And I think I said before the game, we're talking about it. I said, I feel like this team is better than they were last year, which doesn't mean that they're going to make it to and win the Super Bowl. But it felt like last year's Super Bowl run was like a little bit fluky in how it took place. But it feels like they're growing into that team that we thought they or that team that the results suggest they were last year. They're growing into that team now. And uh, yeah, Burrow is is special. He's. He's he was great. Special. I should also add the offensive line I thought played well in this one. Um, you know, even when he held onto the ball over two and a half seconds, he only got pressure on 14% of dropbacks, which again, you know, diminished Titans pass rush, but impressive. And yeah, I t- completely agree with you. This is a better team. Um, they're also battle tested. They've played without chase. They've played against all these different defensive looks. They played against different types of teams and I think they've come out on the better, other side better for it. And mm-hmm. we'll see what happens in the playoffs. They have a very difficult – Football Outsiders has them as the hardest ske- remaining schedule in the NFL. Yeah, um, But I don't know. I, I think I want to pick them in a lot of these games. I mean, I, I will yeah. have to look at the matchups. But, you know, the Ravens have a much I mean, easier the, schedule, the, but they seem to be trending in a better right. direction. Exactly. I was going to say, like, the Ravens should be able to pull it out, but they should have won – like all the games that they lost this year, they should have won. So uh, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to have a lot of confidence in what they're going to do going forward. All right, Dominique, you can catch him on the Dominique Foxworth show. You can get it wherever you get your pods. It is excellent. It appears that we are about to win. Jinx, jinx, jinx. Sorry. Uh, minutes left. We're still at the one. Stoppage zero. time has been long too, so it's probably more like twenty minutes left. Oh really? Okay. All right. Well, yeah. let's go watch. Thanks, Dominique. All right.